It's official. A quartet of Seahawks will be heading to the 2023 Pro Bowl. I'll be breaking it all down on a bonus episode of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Glad to have you joining in for a bonus Thursday episode. As always, a special thanks to all the 12s out there that make Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. On this bonus episode, the Seahawks have a quartet of pro bowlers. I'm going to break down all of those selections and the players that just missed six alternates selected for the Seahawks this year for the Pro Bowl, and I'll be dishing out some thoughts on Seattle's latest addition to their defensive line. Jam-packed bonus episode coming your way, so let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on our bonus episode of Locked On Seahawks. After losing Brian Monet to a season-ending ACL injury last Thursday against the 49ers, many expected the Seahawks were going to be looking to see if they could add some reinforcements through free agency at the defensive tackle position. And sure enough, they did just that on Wednesday, signing Davion Nixon, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, starred at Iowa, was a first-team All-American during the COVID-shortened 2020 season for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Really dominant numbers. Just didn't pan out in Carolina, but he's only 24 years old. This is still a very young player, and there's a lot to like about him. So I think this is a really intriguing late season signing. He's not going to be a nose tackle. He's not going to be replacing Brian Monet. But if Puna Ford and Miles Adams are going to be handling those duties, Al Woods, they're hoping, is going to get healthy enough to play at some point here at the end of the season as well. With those three players playing the nose tackle position, they're going to need reinforcements that can play the three-tech spot. And that is something that Davion Nixon brings to this football team. Again, former first-team All-American at Iowa. He ran a 4.9-second 40-yard dash at 313 pounds. So this guy is an exceptional athlete. And you look at his final season at Iowa, his junior year, 45 tackles, five and a half sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. He did that in just eight games. He also returned an interception, 71 yards for a touchdown at over 300 pounds. You just don't see that happen very often. So he was a game-changing, penetrating defensive tackle at Iowa. And that just hasn't happened with the Carolina Panthers in the NFL. He fell to the fifth round. And I've heard that there were some concerns about his character. We'll see where that fits in with the Seahawks, who are renowned for their culture and being able to bring in a lot of different personalities and help them find success. Maybe this change of scenery can bring out the talent that Nixon has that really never showed in Carolina. He played 14 games in his two seasons with the Panthers after being picked in the fifth round, had just 15 tackles and half a sack. A lot of the time was a healthy scratch, missed half of last year with a knee injury. So there have been a few injuries sprinkled in there as well. But Again, this is a player with outstanding athletic tools that you can't teach at over 300 pounds. He's been very productive playing in one of the premier conferences in college football, the Big Ten. He's played in cold weather, so maybe that means he gets to suit up right away against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday. We'll just have to wait and see on that front. But 
This is a player that was solid against the run. He was an outstanding pass rusher from the interior at Iowa, and I thought he was going to be a stud coming into the NFL. I thought he might even sneak into the first round, but again, there were some character concerns out there that kind of were under the radar, some questions maybe about his work ethic a little bit, fell to the fifth round, and things just didn't work out in Carolina. But now in Seattle, this is a great chance for him to hit the reset button. He's going to get thrown right into the fire because of – Brian Monet's injury and the lack of production they've got at the bottom of the depth chart from a few of their players at defensive tackle. He's got a chance to earn his way into this rotation quickly and play the three-tech, four-eye position for the Seahawks, and he's going to be used as a penetrator. Again, this is not a guy that you're probably going to be doing very much two-gapping with because he's had some issues in the past getting off blocks, not being able to handle those type of duties, but his acceleration, his quickness, his burst-up field, he can split gaps. And so they've been doing more of that as the season's progressed. When they had their four-game winning streak, they were being more aggressive with their defensive line. I think Davion Nixon could be an intriguing fit there. And if it doesn't work out, you're not spending very much money to bring him in for the last three games. So this is truly a flyer that they're going to be making at the defensive tackle position, hoping that they can get more out of a player that I think has a lot of talent and it just hasn't worked out so far in the NFL. This may be a really good fit for him playing in Seattle's defense. We'll just have to wait and see. But again, when you're signed in week 16, this is a great opportunity to get on the field quickly for a team that's had some injuries at that position and certainly could use some help rushing the passer from the interior. So I expect he's going to find a way to get on the field. Maybe not this week because he signed on Wednesday, very limited practice time, but by week 17 against the Jets, wouldn't be surprised at all to see him out there on the field getting some snaps, particularly in pass rushing downs, to try to help the Seahawks get after quarterback. See if they can unleash some of that athletic upside that he brings to the table. And it was a really polished pass rusher for the interior. And I guess this is my silver lining here. Despite the lack of production, Pro Football Focus did give him a 75.8 pass rushing grade with limited snaps his rookie year. So there were some flashes on film. He just didn't get a lot of opportunities playing for a Panthers team that had a lot of really good players in that defensive line. They'd invested some high draft picks there, including Derek Brown, a top 10 pick. There just wasn't a spot for him to really fit into that rotation. He was able to carve out a role, but he did flash at times rushing the passer in limited action. So if he can carry that over to Seattle and use his athleticism, that pass rushing upside, this may be a player that can make an impact for the Seahawks here to close up the season as they try to battle for one of those final two wildcard spots in the NFC. Coming up next in this bonus episode, it's all about the Pro Bowl. And yes, they're not going to have an actual game this year, flag football and competitions replacing the former tackle event. And I say that lightly as a tackle event. I can't remember the last time I saw a legitimate tackle in the Pro Bowl, hence why they made the change. But I'm going to be looking at the four players that earned Pro Bowl nods for the Seahawks and the six players that just missed as alternates, including Geno Smith, continuing his career renaissance as the starting quarterback for the Seahawks. Going to get to that analysis coming up next year on our bonus episode of Locked on Seahawks that is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find an episode from the league available as a bonus episode on Locked on NFL. It's narrated by Super Bowl champion and legendary Seahawks smack talker Richard Sherman and sports broadcaster and rising star Taylor Rooks. The league is an eight-part docuseries about the most bizarre inspirational and unlikely stories connected to America's favorite sport, pro football. You won't want to miss these untold stories spanning from the 1940s 
through the present. Our bonus episode is called The We of the Cowboy and is the incredible story of how the 1977 Dallas Cowboys brought in Bruce Lee's protege to teach their defense martial arts, ushering in a new approach to the way the league trained. Each story offers equal parts history, entertainment, and social commentary. Head on over to Lockdown NFL for a bonus episode of the league or catch the full series wherever you get your podcast. It's available now. Audible. Get in the game. You're listening to a bonus Thursday episode here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbett Smith. Glad to have all the 12s listening in for this special edition episode. The Pro Bowl announced its rosters yesterday for the AFC and the NFC, the official rosters after player and coaching voting concluded. They changed things up a little bit this year with fan voting counting for a third of the vote, one-third going to player voting, and one-third going to coaching voting. And so a hybrid voting system now to see if they can get the best rosters that they can for both the AFC and the NFC. And obviously there's not going to be an actual Pro Bowl this year, but they will have a flag football game. They're going to have a ton of competitions that are both football and non-football related. I think it's going to be a lot more fun than the Pro Bowl, the way that had been the last eight to 10 years where the game really had turned into a laugh fest and guys weren't trying to tackle. There wasn't blocking. It wasn't a real football game. And so I think this is going to be a nice change up happening at Allegiant Stadium move forward with some star-studded competitions and have a flag football game, bring a little bit of awareness to flag football, which is one of the fastest-growing sports in the United States. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and this is still a big deal for players that earn a Pro Bowl, and they put it on their resume. It helps with contract negotiations. It makes you money up front. There's a bonus for just being on the Pro Bowl roster. It makes you money when you're negotiating those new contracts. and It's only fitting that – The most surprising, I guess you could still say it's surprising, even though Geno Smith has played extremely well this year, the most surprising pick that nobody would have saw coming before the season started, Geno Smith making history, and he's going to be a free agent after this year as well. So putting that first Pro Bowl on his resume, he made himself some money here by earning that selection to the Pro Bowl roster. You look at what he's accomplished this season for the Seahawks, and I just want to start off with this. I think this is the most stunning fact or statistic about Geno Smith getting to the Pro Bowl here in 2022. He is the second quarterback in NFL history to make his first Pro Bowl in his 10th season or later. The only other player that has accomplished this, Rich Gannon, did it with the Raiders back in 1999. And I think it's ironic that that's the player being thrown out here because Pete Carroll, before training camp started, Throughout the name Rich Gannon when he was talking about Geno Smith's upside going to the season as the starting quarterback. And he was still in the middle of a competition against Drew Locke. But he threw that name out there. And Pete Carroll was actually on the Vikings coaching staff when Rich Gannon was there. And point blank said he wasn't a very good quarterback. He ended up becoming an MVP for the Raiders, though, during the second act of his career. And so now Geno Smith has had a similar trajectory here, seven years as a backup, and then becomes a starter for the Seahawks. And you look at the numbers that he's put up. He's still leading the NFL with a 71.4% completion rate. He's already set career highs in passing yards and touchdowns. Right now, his 26 passing touchdowns ranks fourth in the NFL. So he's in the top five. He ranks second in passer rating, fifth in yards per attempt, and he's also fourth in touchdowns as well, as I mentioned. So This is just another notch in the belt and what has been a remarkable career revival for Geno Smith. And I think the other stat that really jumps out when you look at the season that Geno is having, he's the only quarterback in the league. You're not going to have Josh Allen. You're not going to have Patrick Mahomes on this list, Kirk Cousins, any of those top-notch quarterbacks that made the Pro Bowl. 
None of them have had as many games with a 100-plus passer rating and multiple touchdown passes as Geno Smith. He has nine games apiece hitting both of those marks. No other quarterback has hit nine this season. So he has been in a club of his own in terms of consistency when it comes to pass rating, completion percentage, throwing multiple touchdowns in games. He's been better than any quarterback in the NFL this year doing it. And so this was a Pro Bowl that was absolutely earned. He's had his name in the MVP discussion for a large chunk of the season for a good reason. I don't think he's in that mix now with the Seahawks now being seven and seven, but certainly he has had a remarkable season. One of the greatest comeback seasons for a player we've ever seen, particularly at the quarterback position, being a backup that long and to come out and play as well as he has leading a team that wasn't supposed to do much this season and keeping them in the playoff race with three games left on the schedule. He deserves all of the praise he's receiving, and it's an awesome uh, tribute to him to get this Pro Bowl now put on his resume. And it's certainly going to help him when he is negotiating for that new contract, and he's hoping it's with the Seahawks, a multi-year deal to continue being their quarterback in 2023 and beyond. The second most notable Pro Bowl selection for the Seahawks that was historic, we could talk about Geno all day, being that second quarterback ever, year 10 or later, to get his first Pro Bowl but rookies don't make the Pro Bowl very often either, especially in Seattle's history. That changes with Tariq Woolen getting the selection. He is the first Seahawks rookie defender to make the Pro Bowl in 17 years. The last one to do it, linebacker Lofa Tatupu, who starred for that Super Bowl-bound team back in 2005. He immediately became a star in the middle of Seattle's defense. And They've obviously had some other really darn good players that have come through on defense with the Legion of Boom, but none of those guys made the Pro Bowl during their rookie seasons. A lot of them was year two. So for Tariq Woolen to accomplish it again, that, that is a really crazy feat that a lot of Seahawk rookies don't get the opportunity to make the Pro Bowl. And why is he there? It's all about that record-setting production. He's already broken the Seahawks franchise record for a rookie with six interceptions this season. He has a chance to maybe add to that total here these last three weeks of the season. He became just the third rookie since 2000 to have four consecutive games with an interception. And he's got eight combined turnovers he's been involved with. You have the six interceptions, the two fumble recoveries that came courtesy of another rookie on the team, Kobe Bryant, punching the ball out. He recovered two of those four fumbles that were forced by Bryant. And he also has a blocked field goal this year. Reek the Freak has truly been a freak. And I don't think anybody saw him playing near this level as a rookie. He was viewed as a long-term project despite his incredible size and athletic gifts. Fifth round pick, teams had him fall that far because they didn't think he was going to be a player that was going to be ready to jump right into the lineup. But from the first time he was on the practice field in rookie minicamp, it became apparent that this long, anyone anticipated wins in training camp in the preseason outright. And he has been one of the most dominant corners in the NFL throughout his rookie season. So he absolutely deserve this. I think that he's got a chance to win defensive rookie of the year as well. That's going to certainly be a nice thing to put on his resume. He's got several more years left in his rookie deal, but when he's ready for that new contract, uh, right now he's setting himself up to be one of the highest paid corners in the NFL. Quite a season for Tariq Woolen coming out of UTSA and proving his many critics wrong that he was indeed ready to play and play at a high level on defense for the Seahawks. Maybe the most questionable Pro Bowl selection. Now we're moving away from two players that absolutely deserve to be Pro Bowlers. They've been among the best at their position, regardless of what year they are in the league, whether it's a rookie or a journeyman quarterback like Geno Smith. Both those players absolutely deserve to be 
in the Pro Bowl, and they deserve to be starters, quite frankly. They played at that kind of a level all season for the Seahawks. Maybe the most questionable selection, though, is a player that has been in the Pro Bowl the last two years. A lot of fans have been chiming in on this since the news came out yesterday. Quandre Diggs earning his third consecutive Pro Bowl selection, and he's joining exclusive company in Seahawks history here because there's a very rich safety tradition in Seattle. Earl Thomas, Kenny Easley, Cam Chancellor. You can include Eugene Robinson on here as well. Robinson only made two Pro Bowls with the Seahawks. Should have made more. A much better player than that suggests. But Thomas, Easley, and Chancellor, three of the best safeties to ever play the game. Those are the only safeties in Seahawks history that have had three or more Pro Bowls until now. Quandre Diggs joining that group. And I know there's going to be questions about this selection because we've been critical of Quandre Diggs on this show at times this year. He has not played as well as he did the previous two seasons. Now with a new contract in hand, he only has two picks. They both came in the Raiders game. He had that key dropped interception on Thursday night against the 49ers. There's been a few other chances he could have got picks this year that he just hasn't converted on those play opportunities like we've seen from him in the past. Maybe it's just coming back from a significant injury. He's missed more tackles than we're used to seeing. So this has not been close to Quandre Diggs' best season. And yet, at the same time, Here's why Quandre Diggs making the Pro Bowl is not that big of a surprise to me and that players and coaches actually are the ones that vaulted him into first place. He was second place in fan voting. There's a lot of respect from players and coaches around the league for the way that Quandre Diggs plays the game. He is in the top three safeties in the NFL for fewest receptions allowed and lowest completion rate against in coverage. That's significant. And if you watch the games, even though we dropped that interception against the 49ers, teams still are not trying to throw down the seam or throw deep very often on this football team because he's in center field. He is still a lockdown guy back there that makes a lot of things happen when you don't necessarily see it on the stat sheet. He is impacting the way opposing passing games attack. And obviously this year, the run game has been so good against the Seahawks defense that that's also played a role in that. But Quandre Diggs has still had a solid season. I just I think he's made it. The expectations are extremely high for him, and he hasn't been quite as good this year. But you look at the rest of the safeties in the NFC and you compare their numbers to him and the way that he's played, he's still fourth on the Seahawks in tackles. He's made some really big plays for them this year. He's still been one of the better safeties in the league. So I don't think it's as outlandish as some fans are letting on, but I can understand the questions because there have been quite a few plays left in the field. We're used to seeing Quandre Diggs make, but he's still got that really good completion rate and lack of completions against him in coverage. He's done some really good things that maybe have gone under the radar for Seahawk fans. So I don't think that it's a bad selection necessarily, just not his best season and not really the best season for the safety position in general. The AFC has been much better at that position than the NFC this year. And maybe, you know, a player that hasn't been talked about a lot because he's a place kicker, but let's give Jason Myers some kudos with his second Pro Bowl selection. He made the Pro Bowl in 2018 with the Jets after the Seahawks cut him in favor of Sebastian Janikowski. They brought him back the following year. He's been pretty good most of his time in Seattle, but again, He's so much better during even years, and that trend has continued this year. He is absolutely deserving to be a Pro Bowler. In fact, I think right now he deserves consideration to be a first-team All-Pro. When you look at what he has done statistically this year, right now he is the 14th kicker in NFL history to make at least 96% of his field goals and attempt at least 27 in a season. That's a remarkable accomplishment. Justin Tucker's on there a couple times 
the story kicker for the Baltimore Ravens. There's some really notable kickers on that list, and Jason Myers is now in that very exclusive company. He's got a chance to enter even more exclusive company if he can nail some more field goals down the stretch and continues to be Mr. Automatic. And he's been rewriting his individual records as well as team records. He's made 21 consecutive field goals. That streak is still going. He's trying to break his own record that he set two years ago for the Seahawks. He's tied Stephen Hauschka for the most 50-yard field goals in the season by a Seahawks kicker. He's got six of them, and he's a perfect six for six. So not only has he been making a lot of them, he's been making all of those long kicks. And he's the first Seahawk ever to make at least 25 field goals and split the uprights on 95% or more of his attempts. Obviously, maybe he won't be that factoid at the end of the season if he somehow misses a field goal here in the next couple of games. But it has been an elite season by Jason Myers, just like Geno Smith. He just made himself some money, and I think the Seahawks absolutely need to bring him back. They just need to figure out what can we do to make it that your odd seasons are closer to your even seasons because he only made 73.9% of his field goals last year. You don't want to see that regression in 2023 with a new contract. So how can you get more consistency year to year from him? It's difficult with kickers because there's a lot of regression year to year at that position around the league anyway, but he has been phenomenal this year been a big source of offense for the Seahawks. He's fifth right now in the NFL for points per game provided for the Seahawks, 8.2 points per game from their kicker. Uh, That is a difference maker when you're talking about a team that's played in a lot of really close games. And there have been some games where they've been able to compete with teams that quite frankly were superior from a talent perspective. If you've got a kicker that can make 50 plus yard field goals consistently, that's a difference maker for you. And Jason Myers has been able to do that this year. So not only is he a pro bowler, I think he's got a legitimate opportunity to be an all pro selection for the Seahawks this year. And that would be his first all pro. It would certainly be warranted with the numbers he's putting up the ridiculous accuracy. And he's only missed one extra point too. That has been one of his major issues throughout his career. He's 37 for 38 and extra points this year. So again, he has been near automatic in every phase of the game and a key part of the number one ranked special teams unit for the Seahawks, according to DVOA. A big part of that, Jason Myers and the success that he's had at the kicking position this year for the Seahawks. As far as players that missed the cut, your alternates, the Seahawks had six of them selected, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf at the receiver position. I talked about this earlier this week. I don't know what Tyler Lockett's got to do to make a Pro Bowl team. The guy year in, year out is a thousand plus yard receiver. He's almost to that point now with the injury. Who knows if he surpasses, if he gets back next week, I think he's got a really good chance to hit the century mark for a fourth straight season and join Steve Large as the only player that's ever done that in Seahawks history. But he's just been a beacon of reliability and durability, consistency, and he does so many great things in the field in terms of highlights. It's not like this guy is just making simple catches. He makes the difficult catches look easy. I think Lockett absolutely deserved to be in consideration there, but he's an alternate, as is DK Metcalf. And then on the defensive side of the football, Jordan Brooks, he was number one in voting up until last week and then fell to number two, ended up not making the roster at all. So players and coaches must not have had him very high on their list, even though he's got a ton of tackles. The impact plays haven't been there. The interceptions, the forced fumbles, the tackle for loss. He's been inconsistent in his third season. And Uchenna Nuosu, he is certainly a player that I thought had a fighting chance to make the Pro Bowl roster with nine sacks, 20 quarterback hits. He has been a phenomenal addition to Seattle's defense, one of their few bright spots on that side of the ball that struggled so much this year. Nuosu has been their star pass rusher. He's been excellent against the run. He's created turnovers. 
So that is looking like one of the better signings that John Schneider has made during his time as Seahawks general manager. And on special teams, they've got two alternates as well in Nick Ballore and Michael Dixon. Both those guys having really strong seasons. Ballore leads the team with 11 special teams tackles this year. He's still one of their captains. He's one of the unsung leaders of this football team and widely respected around the league. So not surprised to see that he was an alternate selection. And Michael Dixon, he's quietly having a very good season, once again, punting the football. There were a few miscues early in the season with blocked punts and trying to run the football that ended up backfiring badly. But as far as punting, he's been excellent, still among the league leaders in net yards per punt. And he's been really good at coffin corner punting this year as well. So continues to be one of the very best in the league. Both those guys would be deserving if they were on the Pro Bowl roster. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, our Blue Friday episode, we'll be dishing out our keys to victory. What do the Seahawks need to do on offense and defense to go into Arrowhead Stadium, freezing Arrowhead Stadium, and get the upset win over the AFC West champion Chiefs. We'll be breaking it all down on a jam-packed Friday episode. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.